So while we're here, let's talk about Sealand. All right, let's. So today, do we do? How do we put it? I don't know. Is it like a? Well, let's think. Well, because after I said that, then I started thinking. Do we ever describe anything at the front end anymore? Not, we, don't, we don't, right? I mean, it usually comes so in the do text. Do we cover it off in the de- description? Yes, usually that's where it would be. So should we? So should we just stick to that, or should we? we unless we want to talk about, but then it's like so we don't usually do something directly related in our intro either, because right. we could. So maybe that is all we do. I mean, I, think, I mean, maybe we say ahoy and then just go from there. We could just say ahoy. <laughs> or we could talk about, I don't know. 2012 Sealand was represented in the flat track variant of roller derby. What? Yep. By a team principally composed of skaters from the South Wales area. Wow. Fascinating. Where did you find that? Uh, Wikipedia. Oh, I'm on their actual page. Mm. They're saving some of their good stuff. May 22nd, 2013, um, a Sealand flag was placed at the summit of Everest. Fascinating. And so this is the world's smallest country. I also, too, love it, it when you look up the details. First monarch, Roy. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. Um, I, I that's fantastic. Yeah, and it's weird that Michael doesn't really. I don't think his emails come from His Royal Highness Prince Michael. He's no, mine he, totally. He's would. very down to earth. Oh, yours. I think they do, don't they? <laughs> well, yes. I only sign in with my initials, right, exactly. so that I can be H R H. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Are you on the mainland or are you at Sealand right now? I'm on the mainland right now. Is that where you live normally? Uh, most of the time these days, because uh, um, oh, I'm 66 now and I've got grown up grandchildren and things. Just to see and, everybody? Uh, and plus, I, to see everybody, yeah. I mean,. Uh, I've got grown-up children and I've got young grandchildren. And uh, and also, I got married uh, about 10 days ago. So oh, I'm congratulations. That's congrats. Thank you. Thank you even more for spending time with us. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> you should be enjoying your honeymoon, not wasting time with us. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we didn't exactly have a honeymoon, but what we did do, we stayed there. Like 50-odd people went to, came from the United States and from Germany and Singapore and England and uh, we had a great couple of weeks out there, you know, with the family afterwards. So we'll be having an actual honeymoon a bit later on. That's fantastic. Nice. So what title would your spouse have now? Well, she is now the princess. I mean, her, her previous title was a major in the Chinese infantry, um, you know, mainland China. But now she's a princess. Excellent. So one of the things we always like to do when we have guests on from different countries, can you say hello in your native language? I'm speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I I need to do better research. Hello. Yes, Hello. okay. I I really need to research this better. Can you give us the story? How did Sealand become its own country? Uh, well, it's way back in 1967. Um, my, my well, prior to that, my father had a pirate radio station in the early 60s, and 
And uh, being in the States, you probably might not even know the history, but radio broadcasting in the UK was terrible. It was just the BBC, and the BBC weren't allowed to play music for the kids. So they all they had was what they called chamber music. And if, for instance, they wanted to broadcast uh, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, they would have the BBC orchestra <laughs> would play music. The phones and that weren't allowed to do it because they reckoned that it would be too expensive for the performing rights, you know, the, uh, to pay for the, for, for the right. time. Um, so some quite entrepreneuring people such as my father and, and a few others put radio stations on ships, including one that came across from America, or two, Radio London came from America, it was an old, um, based on an old American uh, naval minesweeper, and another ship called the Les Affair came across, and she quite cleverly broadcast out of one antenna um, two radio stations, Britain Radio and uh, Radio England. But my father uh, took over one of the old wartime fortresses and started broadcasting from there. But the government, being the government, brought in the Marine Offences Act because they don't like things that can't be controlled. Uh, and they made it illegal for people to work for the radio stations, to advertise on the radio stations, anything to do with them. And, and so they cut off the lifeblood uh, for them. So my father looked around for a better jurisdiction. And he came up with the Rust Towers, which is uh, seven and a half, eight miles off of Felixstowe in Suffolk. And Christmas Eve, 1966, we went out there. I was 14 years old and took it over. And uh, and he was going to reinstate his radio station. Then he had the somewhat bizarre idea of declaring independence. Well, the first, <laughs> I think the first one ever, I mean, they talk, they, there's a word called micronation now and things like that. Seasteading's used, but different things, but uh, this was all all new ground when my dad did it what was that night like you're you're 14 it's christmas eve was this this fun adventure was that sort of your dad's mo to have this adventurism spirit it it, it was entirely my dad's mo and it was freezing cold and and a very very calm night and and the boat he had was what you describe as a sinker it was an absolute piece of <laughs> yep. yes Go for it. <laughs> Always. <laughs> it, 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 it ran on a pump all the time you know and, and the belt kept coming off the pump and so you had to try and get the pump working before the water level came up so high that the, the belt just floated up every time that was quite a, a dangerous thing he had anyway um but he, he just took all these things in his stride and, and i was brought around that up around that kind of stuff and um yeah there's a piece of like little bit of rope hanging down and one of the lads climbed up it and put a rope ladder down and we climbed up and and onto the deck and there was there was two guys on there uh, that worked for a, one of the pirate stations radio caroline I, we didn't know they were going to be there and uh, and uh, we just took it over and did you start living on it then or was this always just a radio station first and nobody really stayed there overnight unless they were broadcasting no, the, no the, uh, we had people there all the time, but there was lots of comings and goings. Um, um, I mean, my father was struggling financially because the station had been closed down and, uh, and he was being fined. And, uh, and he, put, he put our staff off the station on there and they got taken up by some other work and this and that. And eventually I, I, I'm out there one day and uh, there's been some trouble. And I was, I was 14, I was on the boat with my dad. And, uh, and one of the lads left and... And I said, well, I'll, I'll stay there. I'll look after it. And my father said, well, no, you've got to go back to boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> quite an austere, you've seen Harry Potter. Right. Quite, an austere, quite an austere school in North Wales. It was, it was like a, a massive French chateau from the outside. 
and it was in the middle of nowhere, and it was freezing cold, and, and uh, there was no heating or anything like that. And so this seemed quite an interesting adventure and something different to do. So I managed to convince him, thinking six months' adventure would be fun, and well, I suppose it's 60-odd years nearly now. Wow. So what did you do during your initial six months there? Well, there was there was nothing there and nothing working. I mean, when we got there, they were they were using candles for light, uh, and then we sort of worked our way up to um, hurricane lamps, like you see in the old cowboy films, and then tilly lamps a little bit more advanced. And then we got generators going, and then we had to rewire the whole place and make it livable. And so you know, there was a constant uh, stream of work that needed doing. So it did keep people busy. How long does it take you to get to shore? Because you're outside of the you're in international waters, correct? Yeah, in international waters. And, and uh, we used to run the, the old boat from a place called Pagelsham, which was 40-odd miles away. So it was quite a long trip. It got four and a half, five hours each way. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite a long trip. And uh, so the oh. boat, of course, had no heating and no doors in the wheelhouse or anything like that. Could never expect too much from my dad. Now, do people live there now? Is it still an active country, for lack of a better yeah. term? Yeah, we've, there's always someone there 24-7, 365 days a year. Sometimes as few as one, sometimes as many as 50, depending on what's going on. But always someone there has been for the last 50-something years. So what sort of things do you have to uphold to maintain your status as a country? Well, basically, you have to um, uh, keep people away from it, you know, stop people taking over um, so the, the guys that are there are mainly security and general maintenance, but we made it pretty much impregnable, you know, so it's not at all easy to get onto. Is there a lot of palace intrigue? Is there a stepbrother <laughs> that you're not really sure you can trust? Do you got to watch your back? Is it that kind of royal family? Well, <laughs> not, not inside the family, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, we have been betrayed by business associates in the past that led to quite an interesting incident. So, uh, oh yeah, I mean, you know, you, I mean, you, the thing is, you're you're your own policeman, you're your own army. You're not, you're not, you have no one to rely upon. You can't just pick the phone up and say, "There's a man knocking at my door with a gun or a knife in his hand. Help me here." You're on your own. Right. Um, is there a lot of fear at this point that someone may try to take it over, or have you sort of settled into? I think we've kind of solved problems on that front, and uh, and uh, even the local yachting community tell horror stories about it. Totally untrue, I have to say. About don't go near that place; you get shot at, and things like that. <laughs> but, but you know, they, they they do like a story. Of course. So, how does the UK feel about you guys today? Are you still a thorn in their side? Do are they just ignoring you, hoping that you'll eventually wash away? I think I think probably the last, yeah, uh, the latter, because. Yeah, we, we, you know, we, I mean, I'm not being funny, we're, we're dual nationality. I mean, I'm very proud of being British. My, um, I might even say English. My, my father fought in the Second World War, as did my grandfather in the First World War, and they were both wounded, and, and uh, my father quite a few times. And uh, he would have gone back to defend, you know, Britain to the day he died if he was called upon. So, you know, we'd never, we would never do anything to hurt England. So it's more of a dual citizenship type of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, do your was, kids and grandkids I, I, have dual citizenship as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my my well, my grandchildren are only very young right now, but my children, my sons are like thirty and thirty-two, and they're um, and I have a daughter of twenty-seven, and 
and they're very much involved with uh, with what we do. All my sons are on every one, one hundred percent. Excellent. Does your mail ever get mixed up and you get something addressed to another prince? Does that happen no. a lot? No. Have you met any other no. princes? Prince Harry, Prince William, yeah. Prince of Minneapolis. And how awkward <laughs> was it? <laughs> no, I can't. I don't recall that. No? Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I, 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 I've met a member of Parliament with a, and a lord, uh, uh, a British lord with the same name as me, Michael Bates, and we end up at the same social events sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my wife works for a, uh, a casino in Leicester Square in London, and she's a BRP events person, and uh, she gets me these these things, uh, you know, really interesting dinners. And I mean, I've been at a dinner at the House of Commons uh, about six weeks ago, I suppose. And he was there again then. I, you know, I've, I've got quite friendly with him. But he was quite amusing the first time I met him. We were talking about whether the family's related. He said, "No." He said, "But you know," he said, "Sometimes when you're when I'm vain enough to Google myself, he said, you come up first. <laughs> it's the breaks. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how the lords and ladies and counts and countesses and whatnot of Sealand. Tell us a little bit about that program. Okay, well, I mean, the the, the reason this came about was, I mean, over the years, uh, we we literally had to struggle financially to maintain and keep Sealand and pay wages and fuel and everything else and boats and things and even the old helicopters that required to keep it going. Um, and the the noble title uh, thing is really um, to, to um, it's a support thing, you know. I mean, 13th century French kings used to sell letters of nobility uh, to market, to making people marquees and things to help finance their, their military. Campaign. Of course. There's yeah. a story all this so, time. I mean, People, people totally realised, you know, what, what what they're doing, what they're doing. They're supporting what we do. We, we do have a huge following around the world, and um, we get dozens and dozens and dozens of emails every day, you know. Um, and we have sports teams, and you know, quite a few in the United States, you know. I mean, all sorts. I love of it. Karate, curling. You know what curling is? Curling. Yes, yes, of course. Very much so. Tennis, like just about everything you can think of. You know, we have a sports team, football. How are your World Cup chances? <laughs> well, we're not actually in the World Cup right now, but there's been there's been initiatives to try and get us into the World Cup. Maybe one day, you never know. There is an alternative um, football league, mm-hmm. uh, World League, that, that we're, we're part of. But uh, everybody enjoys it. We have, we have we haven't played for a while. We have a celebrity team that's made up of actors and and Olympic athletes and people like that, and, uh, and they 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 were playing at Craven Cottage. Uh, which is quite a famous ground. And uh, and then we have a, another team of more enthusiastic players, shall we say, that play a little bit more aggressively. Uh, but we've been to different places, you know, um, uh, you know, playing football, and, and we look forward to being invited to others. That's excellent. Yeah. So how stable is Sealand at this point? Is it not going anywhere? Is that part of the reason you are sort of trying to, to fundraise and and keep this this country up and running and going? Well, I mean, people are only too happy to to, to keep us going anyway. But, um, I mean, the, the the greater plan is to to fundraise, maybe with crowdfunding, I don't know, to try and uh, raise some land to, uh, and, and get a few more uh, people out there. Like, when I say that, I mean, you know, uh, people that want to live out there. Um, 
and I, and I think you know we're moving in that direction now. But uh, you know, everything's everything's good at home. And you had a you had a unfortunate fire a little while back, correct? Yeah, that was a bit nasty. Yeah, it was a um, generator ran away with itself and caught fire. Um, but we recovered from that, and uh, and everything's as it was. Good. That's fantastic. That's great. What would you want someone who had never heard of Sealand before? What would if you sort of you met them at a party? What would you tell them or want them to know about Sealand? Well, it's funny because I never really used to talk about it uh, to my friends. And when I wrote my book, Holding the Thought, they 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 saw. I mean, people I'd known and even worked with many of them for years knew knew nothing about my secret history, shall we say. Uh, when I was younger and everything else, um, I don't, I don't really talk about it. I mean, I, I have a, we have a, um, uh, a company, my sons and I, that uh, catch, process, can, and in a big factory, um, cockles, which are like a small plant. Uh-huh. They process about twelve or thirteen tons a day, and uh, and I just tell people I do that. I never, I never really bring the sea land thing up. I was in a bar in um, in Orlando, and I'd never been to Orlando, and. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd better have a look Disappointing, at it. Disappointing, isn't One, it? <laughs> I, I make you right. Uh, it wasn't really my cup of tea, as we say. And um, <laughs> I'm in a bar, and this is a few years ago now, when I wasn't married. And um, this fellow came over and he talked to me, and an American chap, and he said, um, he said, uh, your girlfriend's hair, just had long curly hair. He said, is it natural? My wife was a hairdresser. And she, anyway, he started talking to me. And the girl I was with said, I said, oh, I do the cockle thing, you know, uh, seafood and fishing boats and stuff. And the girl that was with said, uh, actually, he also owns Sealand. And the, the barman tapped him on the shoulder five minutes later. He Googled me. He said, this boat's quite true, because I'm, I'm ahead of myself here. Prior to that, he said, what do you think of a landowner? And I said, well, I don't like it at all. Um, I'm more of a beach person, you know, and where's the nearest mm. beach? And he said, like, 60 miles away or something like that. And... Um, Anyway, so the, the barman's Googled me and said, no, this fellow's quite an interesting chap to talk to. So he, we talked about Sealand and everything else. He said, he said, if you don't like it here, he said, why don't you use my apartment down in Marco Island? Really? So I, I'd never even heard of Marco Island. So he said, yeah, he said, just get in your car. I said, I'd hardly, I'd already had a, had a big car. And he said, drive down there. He said, and uh, he said, just one thing. He said, pick the cat from the real estate office, check in the security. He said, when you get on the balcony, give me a call. So uh, we drive down to Marco Island, and there's these three big tower blocks right on the beach. And uh, we go up, and a fantastic view. And the, the place was set up for everything. There was fishing rods. There was everything you could ever want, a raincoat, an umbrella. You know, everything was there. I phoned the fellow up. I said, absolutely amazing. I said, oh, thank you so much. He said, just stay there as long as you want. Uh, so we stayed there, I think, about 12 days. And he was a. it turns out he was a Kentucky banker. And uh, what a nice chat. That's hmm. fantastic. Marco, people love, I mean, people would kill to have a chance to go to Marco Island for 12 days. Well, I, I, <laughs> strange things do seem to happen to me in my life. Um, about three or four years ago, uh, I decided that I was going to go and see the whales. I need, you know, I've never been close to a whale. And uh, I researched where to go and everything else. And someone emailed our office and I, I saw the email. And it was a fellow said, um, he said, if if Michael would come to our wedding, he's get, the chap's getting married, 
if you will come to our, our wedding in, uh, oh, where was it, La Paz in Mexico. Sure. He said, I'll, he said I'll, um, I'll pay all his expenses and I'll, and I'll and he, so I, anyway, I, I wrote back and said, funny enough, I was thinking of going well watching, and I'm this surprised to be. Yeah, he said, um, you come out here, he said, and I'll pay all your expenses. And uh, and then when the wedding's done, he said, I'll, I'll give you a week's well watching. So oh, I, went, well. it's I flew out with my daughter to uh, LA, then went flew down to Cabo. And this uh -huh. Israeli security guy picked me up from the airport, drove me off up in the mountains across the desert. He said, he said, not many people would do this kind of stuff in this part of Mexico, you know. Drove, I mean, La Paz is in the middle of nowhere, you know. Right. And it, was, it was very um, depressed, you know, downtrodden. But there was a lovely hotel um, on a marina there. So I walked through the door with my daughter, and there was um, Jean-Michel Cousteau. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's been invited to the wedding as well. So um, Amazing. He and Cousteau and I ended up signing the register. Uh, when the guy got married, we were the witnesses. We went out on a cruise ship. The wedding party went on for about three or four days. It was fantastic. <laughs> They've flown a full orchestra in from Mexico City. Um, it was just, the whole thing was totally unbelievable. And at the end of it, uh, I got the whale watching and I, we, we went to the hotel in Cabo uh, that they, they put us up in and us, no one had said anything. So, um, I went to, to organise some world watching and, and I downloaded the bloke's come back and he's giving the money back. He's going, no, oh, no, he said, it's all, Diego's paid for it. He said, oh, and then two days later, the phone rings and this fella says, um, you probably don't remember me. He said, I was at Diego's wedding. He said, I'm the um, the veterinarian at the at the aquarium. We've got a big you know, aquarium there in aquaponics. Oh, wow. with, with dolphins, dolphin aquarium. Dolphin aquarium. He said, I'm the veterinarian at the dolphin aquarium. He said, I'd, li I'd like you and your daughter to come along for a private viewing. So we went along and my daughter was swimming with the dolphins and everything and they filmed it all. It was fantastic. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Need to see the world more often and make more crazy friends. That's unbelievable. Those experiences are, people would die for those. <laughs> well, then, I, then, then on the way back, I, I met my friend of mine who's in the, in the Hollywood film business who's been trying to sort the Sealand film out for years. We sold the film rights years ago to, to Warner Brothers and then they, uh, um, the recession came along and they dropped it and then New Regency bought them. And uh, anyway, I, I had a meeting with an extremely interesting man, the, the household name, who you would know and I'm probably not meant to say, um, <laughs> in Pasadena. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean... It, the film industry is a bit of a flaky thing, I have to say. Um, it seems to get really near the, the getting done and then something else happens in the world, you know? But, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I get to go to some interesting so stuff. Well, it seems like, I mean, Sealand has in many ways given you this passport to all these crazy adventures. Do you, yeah. you chalk it up to, to Sealand or to your dad having this nutty idea of, well, let's just make this a country? Uh, I chalk it up to, to, I mean, let's let's be brutally frank about it. I spent a lot of years out there, cold, wet, I'm broken, broken down, right. broken down and all the, a lot of blood, sweat and tears when the whole sea land thing. And I don't know, I mean, uh, it, it was hard work. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's giving dividends now with some interesting trips. I, I, I don't know, even flying back from Cabo to LA, I'm, my daughter's on the other side of the plane, I'm, 
This woman rushes in at the door to make the shut, and she's chatting away to me, and she was a personal assistant to Simon Cowell when he went to America. <laughs> you know? And now, and now she works for um, Michael Bay. Now I've never heard of this man. When I mentioned it to my son, <laughs> Michael Bay, shit! You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's been interesting. For more information on Sealand, to order a copy of Michael's book, or to even become a lord or lady of Sealand, visit sealandgov.org. If you're looking to invest in a film, the rights to the Sealand story are still available. For more Y content, including behind the scenes, additional photos and video, as well as outtakes, visit whythepodcast.com. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help other folks find us and join our cult. The more cult members you bring in, the better your seat will be on the mothership. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on social, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even LinkedIn. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hedquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home.